0: Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net Again, that website is www.sccview.net I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's try it one more time. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, it's so good to see you. We're glad that you are here on this Christmas Eve service. And I know that many of you are good swimmers because you had to swim here tonight. It was like a flood before you got here, but thank God that uh, it has passed through. We are so glad that you're here. And tonight as we have this very special first ever Christmas Eve service, Eve Eve service, we're glad that you're part of that. And uh, tonight if you have your... um, your program, you can take it out. We're going to be talking about the greatest gift you'll ever get. The greatest gift you'll ever get. Now I want you to think about with me just a moment that the greatest gift you've ever gotten or the best gift that you've ever gotten. I don't know, when I think about the best gift I've ever gotten, I, I thought about, you know, uh, there was times that uh, I remember getting a bicycle that I wanted for Christmas. That was, a, that was the, the best gift, you know, at that time. Then I remembered, uh, you know, my family uh, were hunters and I remember, uh, you know, being about 12 years old and getting my first uh, shotgun. You know, I thought that was cool. I'm, you know, I'm grown now. I got a shotgun. And I thought that was a pretty cool gift. And then I remember uh, getting, uh, when I was uh, probably about middle school, some of you are going to appreciate this, but I got the big boom box. Anybody remember the big boom box you carried on your shoulders? Anybody besides me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a few of us that was in those 80s. Uh, so I remember getting that and which, uh, my wife, I had that gift, you know, until after Rhonda and I was married and I come home one day and she sold it in a yard sale. As you can tell, i still haven't got over that yet. Uh, but anyways, uh, we won't bring that up. It's Christmas, right? (laughs) But I'll tell you the best gift I think I've ever gotten was not the most expensive gift. The best gift I think I've ever gotten was when my son was, uh, like in first grade or kindergarten he come home and he had me a gift for christmas and i opened up that gift and it was a little ink pen and uh, that little ink pen probably cost him maybe a dollar or something like that i don't know and uh, but i can tell you that i i have treasured that ever since it's like the best gift i think i ever received then my daughter uh, gave me a gift at Christmas when she was smaller like that as well. And, uh, you know, they give you gifts when they're little like that, right? They get to be teenagers. Huh? What Come on, give me something, right? <laughs> but she gave me a, a little, I don't, I really don't even know what it is. It's like a piece of tissue that's, that, and there's a rubber band in the middle of it. And it looks like wings, or you could use it as a bow tie or something. I don't even know, but she, she wrapped that up, and she gave me that gift. And I want to tell you something, $10,000 couldn't buy either one of those gifts from me. They're precious, they're they're special gifts, and I have them at home now, uh, you know, put away, and I'll pull them out every once in a while, but those are the best gifts that were given. They weren't expensive, but they they have sentimental value to me, and and those were the best gifts. And as you're thinking about, you know, maybe your childhood, or maybe the gifts that you received, maybe there's something like that to you, that, that meant a lot to you, that, you know, You just you treasure that. You wouldn't get rid of it. And so tonight, we want to talk about the best gift ever. You know, um, that takes me to our main point that I want you to remember, and that is this. It is God's gift is the best gift. Would you agree with that? Come on, let's say it together, and we're going to emphasize the word best. You ready? Come on, let's read it together. You ready? God's gift is the best gift. It is the best gift. And today we want, to, we want to break that down on this Christmas Eve Eve. I want to share that with you, that God's gift is the best gift. And so we see that John 3, 16 tells us about God's gift. And look what it says. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I know that as we look at that verse, if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. But Christmas, is all, Christmas was God's idea. This gift-giving was God's idea. Do you get that? I mean, God gave. He gave His Son, and that's why Jesus being born, we celebrate God's gift. I know we think, okay, we're doing all this gift exchange because the wise men came and gave, and they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. No, no, no. It was God who gave His Son that they come and honored. Amen? And so God gave the gift of His Son. He gave that gift. And so, we must understand this. Now, I know that many of you know that the, you know, the scripture says that it's better to give than to what? Receive. And so, most of us sitting in this room that are adults, and you know, if you have children especially, you've learned that you've matured. Okay, when you were a kid, it was all about you know, getting, but as you become an adult, it's all about getting your kid that perfect gift or your grandkid that perfect gift that they're going to go, Wow, this is awesome. This is the, the best gift ever, Right? I mean, don't we want that? I mean, like, you know, don't you hate giving a gift and when you watch someone open it, you just see it on their face? Men, have you ever done that? Come on, anybody besides me. Like, Rhonda Rhonda and I have this little language, you know, that I know. I mean, like, I can go get this gift and I can do all this work and and she can just tear the paper for and she can't hide it. Her lip just quivers just a little bit. And she tries, she's like, oh, this is nice, but her lips just quiver. And I go, you liar. It's going back, isn't it? She's, yeah, well, you know. But I want to tell you that Christmas is all about you receiving a gift. You receiving God's gift. That's what Christmas is all about. Is you receiving God's gift and me receiving God's gift. And so you got to understand that, that Christmas is not just about you giving as an adult. You think it's about, okay, it's about me giving. No, no, no. It's about you receiving God's gift. And so I want to share with you. Have you ever seen one of those gifts that, like, it's, it's a gift inside of a gift inside of a gift? may anybody ever pranked you like that before, you know? Like, come on. Well, I want to tell you that God's gift, of Jesus is like that. It's, he's like a gift inside of a gift inside of a gift inside of a gift that keeps giving. And I want to share that with you today. So here's what I want you, I want you to write down. When I accept God's gift of Jesus, number one, God gives me a new identity. Did you write that down? He gives me a new identity. Now, as you write that down, Mary was the first one to figure this out. That, you know, when the angels approached Mary uh, and Mary, is here she is, a teenage girl. She's really sort of like a nobody, an average you know, kind of person, not making any ways or whatever. And she's a lady in that day too, so really she wasn't known that well. And then all of a sudden the angel shows up. And look what the angel says to her. The angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly what? Highly favored. Hello, you're somebody. Look what he says. The Lord is with you. In other words, he just identified her as being a very valuable person. Maybe, just maybe, Mary was struggling with her identity. Do you know what the number one crime is today in America? That it's not robbery, it's not burglary, it's not rape, it's not uh, you know, abducting kids or whatever. The number one crime today is identity theft. I mean, the, you know, how many of you have ever had, like, you know, your credit card number swiped? Anybody besides me? Okay, yeah. So we've had, we've had that swiped, and we've had to, you know, cancel credit cards because someone stole our, our number. But identity theft is when they, they steal your identity, and, and that's the number one crime that we're facing now. And I just want to tell you something. Many of us sitting here in this room have had our true identity stolen. You know why? Because God says that you're told that when He created you, He created you to be this person that, that, was, that, was, that He loved and that He cared about and that you would respect yourself. But somewhere along the line, you know, the world has taught you, peer pressure, our culture has pressured you in to being somebody that you're really not, and they really have stolen your identity. Let me ask you this question. Where do you get your identity from? I mean, you know, you ask someone today, said, you know, well, you know, who are you? The first thing they tell you, if they're an adult, usually is, you know, my name is, is you know, Joe Smo, and my, I do this. They tell you about their work. You know, most people relate either their identity to their work, or their to rela- their relationships, or to their things. You ever know? You ever been around a name dropper? You you know what I'm talking about a name dropper, you get around somebody that says, oh yeah, well I know this person, I know this person, you know, and I know, this. don't you just want to smack them? You're like, shut up, you know what? I've seen a guy one time that, remember the day when we had the beepers? Anybody remember that? Okay, those of you that are under about 35, you may have to Google that, alright? But a beeper, I remember this guy one time, who someone that we knew that was real popular, you know, uh, he said, Hey, that guy, he, he paged me today, and he, and he had his number saved. I mean, wasn't that day, it was a couple weeks ago. He had that guy's number saved, and he was going around showing everybody that guy's number. I'm like, come on, man, get a life, you know? We don't care about your pager. Oh, yeah, that was big in the day. So I want to say, you know, this is what I want to tell you. Never base your identity, never base your identity on anything that you can lose. Never base your identity on anything that you can lose. I want to tell you something. You know, beauty fades, baby. You don't believe it? Look up here. You know, my wife, Rhonda, was the lady that was sitting right here in this chair, and she's a very pretty lady. And, you know, people look at us sometimes and say, Jeff, you know, how did that happen? <laughs> Some of you have asked that question, too, haven't you? I can tell you. Man, how did that happen? You know, I don't know. Well, in the day... In the day, you know what? I had a hair and I was a little more charming, you know, a little more pleasant to look at. But we made a deal that, listen, when we got married, I said, listen, if one of us has got an ugly way, let it be me. <laughs> but you see what? Beauty fades, talent fades, listen, your athletic ability fades, your, your talent fades, all those things that you have built. Your life on Even family fades. Because, you know, we don't live on this earth forever. So those things fade. So never build your identity on something that you can lose. Build on the things that you can never lose. And that's what we want to talk about. You see, it was through Jesus. Let me say this to you. It was through Jesus that Mary gained her real identity. You know, the, the angel come to Mary and said, You're highly favored. yes, yes. Well, only the angel called her that. Nobody else really knew, knew her as highly favored. matter of fact, they knew her as not so highly favored, because after she uh, got pregnant without Joseph, you know, she had a lot of questions going around her. They've called her a lot of things, but not highly favored. But once Jesus come and come on the scene, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Right now, today, over 2,000 years later, we know Jesus and his mother is who? Who is she? Mary. You know that. Everybody around the world knows that, that Jesus' mother's name is who? Mary. Mary! Jesus gave Mary a new identity. And guess what he wants to do for you? He wants to give you a new identity. Look what the scripture says 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person. Where? The On the inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. See, many people, the mistake that you and I make is that we begin to define ourselves by our faults or by our sins. Or we let someone around us begin to say, you know what, you're, you know, maybe a parent said, you know, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, you're so dumb, you're so clumsy, you know, you're so this, you're so that. Or maybe it was with the people in school, they begin to label you by your faults. Isn't it amazing how you make a mistake in our culture today, you know, and you make one mistake, and all of a sudden people give you a nickname related to that mistake. Some people, you know, struggle with their weight and they were called fat. Some people, you know, would struggled with being able to talk and and they were made fun of. And they were called, you know, something twisted tongue or something. You know what I'm saying? Given all these nicknames, and aren't nicknames really about our faults, and really not about our strengths? Would you agree with that? And so, since, since we do that, you know, we have a tendency to look at people's faults. And I'm telling you today that listen, never let no one, never let someone label you by a sin that you've committed or a fault that you've had. Jesus Christ wants to give you a new identity. Look what the Bible says. In Psalms 19 and 7. I love what the psalmist writes. He says, The law, which he's talking about, God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect. It gives us new what? New life. How does it give us new life? Because the Bible tells me who I really am. The Bible tells you who you really are. I don't care what people have said about you. That, you know, maybe you're not bright enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you're too this and you're too that. I don't care how the world's labeled you. When you read God's word, he tells you that you are more than a conqueror through him. That you're greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. So you can tackle anything because it's not all about you. Once you receive Jesus Christ, remember, we are called Christians. We get a new identity. Did you get that? Because of Christmas, because of Jesus Just like Mary got a new identity because of Jesus, you and I get a new identity. We're called Christians. Listen, I don't care what you used to call me, but when I became a born-again believer, I no longer was that anymore. I was filled with Jesus Christ. And now when you look at me, hopefully I'm going to resemble Him. Amen. Christian. That's what a Christian is. It's a new identity. He goes on to say, look at this verse. His teachings last forever. And they give what? To who? Did you hear that? That's why I read the Bible right there. This this book, the Bible, has given me wisdom. And I just figured myself to be an ordinary person. But it has made me above average. Did you hear that? This book has made me above average. Without this book, I'm below average. But because I read the book and, you know, I get in God's Word and God's Word gets in me, it changes me. It makes you wise. I want to challenge you this next year. In 2016, I'll, how many of you could use a little more wisdom? Let me see your hands. Okay, great. Here's a the, here's the great deal. You can turn, uh you know, you can turn Dr. Phil off. You know, you, you, know uh, you can turn all those people that are on the radio off, all the talk radio. You can turn them off, turn on the good news, and you will get wisdom. People will begin to seek you out when you get in God's Word. Why? Because you're wise. And so i want to challenge you. So on your connection card, this is what I'd like for you to do. On the back of your connection card, I'd like for you to take a step with me. And going into 2016, it says this. The second one says, I will do my best to make God's Word a priority in 2016. Will you do that? Will you just check that box? Because when we pray for you, we want to be praying for you. That you're just going to make God's Word a priority. You know, listen, if you're not a good reader, you can, you can download it, you can listen to it you know, in your car, you can get CDs, you can do all kinds of things. So either read or listen to it and make it a priority. Okay, that takes us to the next thing. But before we do that, remember what we said God's gifts were. Are you ready? God's gift is what? The best gift. God's gift's the best gift. So that takes us to number two. God gives me a new ability. Oh, this is good right here. This is going to give you power to walk into 2016. Do you know that human power or human... uh, Let me say this. Human power only lasts so long. Or another way that I would say that is like New Year's resolutions. Willpower. People will tell you that when you've got a problem, what you need to do is look deeper within you. You need to reach down deep inside of you. Well, here's what I... Listen. If I have nothing inside of me, then I can reach way down to my toes, and I'm gonna get in nothing. Right? That's what most people have. If you have nothing, you can reach deep in, you get nothing. And that's what a lot of people have. They say, "Well, I'm reaching deep inside, and they're reaching to nothing." But I'll tell you that if you have God inside of you, it changes everything. Now, notice we go back to the Christmas story here, and we look at Mary and Joseph, and we see that Mary and Joseph would help them. Remember, hold. Oh, what? Look at me. Look at me just a second. They were teenagers. Okay, here we go. Now I got some questions for God when I get to heaven and that is one of them. Why in the world did you send your son to two teenagers? I mean, come on, really? I mean, my kids can't hardly take out the trash. And you go put the son of God right there with two teenagers. Come on. You know, why didn't God send him to two good grandparents, right? I mean, that would be the, if God really wanted his son raised the right way, I mean, come on, grandparents have already been through it. Come on, grandparents, don't you agree that, you know what, you got an advantage on parents, right? One guy guy that became a grandparent told me, he said, you know what, Jeff, if I knew that being a grandparent was this good, I would have been better to my kids. (laughs) I don't know. So Mary and Joseph had God's presence, and then that gave them God's power. Look what Luke 1 and 35 said. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And God's power will what? Rest upon you. See that? How did Mary handle all that stress? How did Joseph handle all that stress? You know, Mary's stress was that all of a sudden her family wanted to disown her. All her friends wanted to disown her. Call her a loose lady. You know, she'd been doing things she shouldn't have done. And then Joseph, you know, how did Joseph have enough power to look at Mary and say, okay, I see you got a baby and I trust that it's God's. And, you know, I don't believe it's another man's. Because that wasn't his initial reaction, right? No, the Holy Spirit had to come down. <laughs> Hello? You know, even after the angel appeared in a dream and said, you know, now, Joseph, this really is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph said, okay, I got this, God. I guarantee you every day when he looked at her and that belly started swelling, he had those thoughts going through his mind saying, I'm not sure about this. Hello? The way you handle pressure is that you've got to have a greater force on the inside than you have on the outside. And so it is God's Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what Romans says. Look at this. In Romans 5 and 5, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the means of the holy what? Holy Spirit. Now look look what he says. Who is God's what? It's God's gift to us. God's Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. Now, what does God's Holy Spirit do? Here we go. Look at 2 Timothy 1 and 5. The next verse, look what he says. For the Spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. doesn't make us fearful. Instead, His Spirit fills us with power and what? Love and self-control. Here you go. Look at this. Watch this. The reason that some of you aren't in jail is because God gave you some self-control. Come on, somebody. You know, you know, you know what you would have done a few years ago, don't you? You you would have spun somebody out on the interstate who tried to cut you off. But, but by the time you grabbed that wheel and, and that just built up inside of you, by the time you was about to do it, all of a sudden there was something on inside you said, Now listen, whoa, whoa, you don't do that anymore. I mean, the Holy Spirit has to remind me now, Jeff, you are a pastor of a church. <laughs> he has to remind me of that sometimes. Sometimes it, it just still goes all over me. You know what I'm talking about? And it's God's Holy Spirit that does that to you. That, you know, maybe maybe you start having feelings that you shouldn't start having. And then all of a sudden there's that still small voice that says, Hey, wait a minute. This is out of bounds here. And, and you listen. Nobody ever knew you had those feelings but you and God. And he, stra- he straightened you out. Why? It was the Holy Spirit speaking to you on the inside. He gives you power love and self-control. And that's why you look at people that aren't Christians and you look at people that aren't saved and you say, how can they do that? I'll tell you how they can do it because they don't have the same power that you have. They're weaker than you are because they don't have God's Holy Spirit. So those three ingredients right there, if you want your life to be better in 2016, I'll tell you, you want to be a new person, you ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, and you have power, you have love, and you have self control. 2016, man, it'll be the best year of your life. Amen? God's Holy Spirit. So, let's talk about it again. Remember what we said? God's gift is the what? The best gift. It's the best gift. So, we see that He gives us a new identity, God gives us a, a new ability. And then also now we're going to find out that God gives us a new community. A new community. When we accept God's gift of Jesus, a new community. When we look at this new community, again, this is very intriguing to me. Going back to the Christmas story. You've got to follow along with me here. When God sent his son to the earth, he wanted him to be raised right. Again, it still freaks me out that he sent them to teenagers. I just still don't get that part, all right? I just don't understand that part. But God knew in order to do that that they had to have community around them. And so what he did was he sent Joseph. When Joseph, remember the story how that Joseph was in Bethlehem and then how that Herod was going to try to kill all the two-year-old ba- babies that were under two years old. So then Joseph and Mary, they fled to Egypt. They ran to Egypt. And then after that, after Herod had died, then they went back to Nazareth, their hometown. Why did they do that? Because they needed to be in a community of faith. They needed to be in a community of believers. And we know that Jesus loved going to church. Do you know this? That when they moved back there, there was around not only family, but that community of faith that Jesus was growing up in, that people would have influence in their life. And we see this story that when Jesus gets to be about 12 years of age, all of a sudden, He's, he's still 12 years old. You know, we look at Jesus as the Son of God that was so perfect that he never did anything wrong. Well, he never sinned, but he still does some things wrong. So he went, so in their day when she, they went traveling back to Jerusalem to, to celebrate one of the festivals, and, and which was about a, you know, about a 10-mile a, a, a walk back to, to Jerusalem from where he was. And watch this the whole village sort of went, you know, it was like their whole religious, their whole church, it was like our whole church taking a. said, we're going to walk, we're going to take a, about a 10-mile hike together. And so, you know, everybody knew everybody, and so they just let their kids mingle among them. And, and so Mary and Joseph had went up there, and, but they had walked back, they really wasn't paying attention where Jesus was, they knew he was with somebody, they weren't worried about him. But look what happened, look what the scripture says. It says, his parents were astonished... When they saw him, in other words, let me just back up here. In other words, they went home and Jesus wasn't with them. And so they freaked out. They went around to everybody's house and nobody could find him. So they had to go back to Jerusalem. They're ticked off at Jesus. Hello. You know what? Anybody, can you relate with your kids? You know what? Maybe you're a teenager here today and, and your parents been ticked off you because you were supposed to be somebody somewhere you wasn't and they come looking for you and couldn't find you. You remember that? I remember my tail getting tore up for that. Oh, nobody else, huh? Oh, bunch of liars. Look at me like that, like you. ain't never done nothing like that. And so Jesus is now, he's not with them. So they make the, they go back and look, they find him in God's house. Look what it says. So his parents were astonished when they saw him. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been terribly worried, trying to find you. Look what he answered. He answered them, why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Jesus was passionate about church. God, When God sent his son to the earth, he sent it to teenagers that who went back and moved in a faith community. And the way that they could raise Jesus was if they lived in this faith community... And it was the support that God knew that they would have through the church, through the people around them, that they would have that would help him, him to grow and, and nurture him in God's ways. And so that he had a, a hunger for God because of the faith community as well. You see, this is what I want to tell you. Is that God never meant for you to live this life without support. He wants you to have support. Because some things are going to come your way that's going to be difficult. He wants you to have support in your life. And that's what being a Christian, and that's what being a part of a church family is all about, is having support. Look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3 and 15. It says, that family, talking about the church, that family is the church of the living God, the support and what? Foundation of the what? The foundation of the truth. Now let me ask you something. If, if Jesus, if Mary and Joseph who were raising God's son, needed to have their kid in church, don't you think we need it today? I mean, don't, don't you really think that today? that we, Don't you think that, that more of our children could use a good dose of God that comes through the church family? Amen. And so here's what I want to say to you, though. As a, as a parent, as a grandparent, we need to make that a priority in our life, is having our kids at church. You know what? We want you to have your kids at church so much that they're gonna. When they get older, they're gonna tell their kids, "You know what? My parents had me drugged." You gonna go what? They're gonna go what? What are you talking about? Yeah, they had me drugged. What do you mean? They drugged me to kids' church. They drugged me to youth group, and they drugged me to church. And they drugged me to connect group. They drugged me, baby. They'll never get that right, because you carried them there, and they don't forget those things that happen in their lives. So. We say this at Stockbridge Community all the time. You know, God answers prayers 99% of the time through other people. And so, listen, if God's going to answer prayers through other people, wouldn't it be wise to have yourself around the body of Christ so that when God gets ready to answer your prayer, that it could come through somebody? He wouldn't have to go hunt you down. That you're right there in the midst of that. And it's amazing how that when you're in God's people, around God's people, how that God begins to speak to you through other people. It's just, you know, you'll be passing someone in the hallway or in a connect group with someone and someone will just say something and it will just speak to you. It'll be right what you need to hear. It's amazing how that happens. So what I want you to do is this. I want you to take another step with me. And it says, I will do my very best to make church a priority. I will do my very best to make church a priority in 2016 in order that my family will have the spiritual support that we need yeah, I'll do my very best to that. Okay, now let's look at uh, the last one. But before we do, remember what we said. You ready? God's gift is what? The best gift. See how this gift keeps on giving? It gave us a new identity, gave us a new ability, gave us a new community, and now it's going to give us a new destiny. Did you write that down? A new destiny. Some gifts that you get just don't last, right? A matter of fact... Some of the things that you're going to get, you know, some of the things you're going to get uh, this Christmas just don't last. Shoot, I remember one time when I was a kid, I got a gift, and you know what? It was about the sorriest gift I ever got. It was soap on a rope. What do you give a kid soap on a rope for? What is this? I I just had a lot of thoughts about that, but anyways. Horrible gift. Soap on a rope. Uh, If you've got soap on a rope wrapped under a tree, you go get it out and don't give it to them, all right? Just tell them something happened. The dog ate their gift or something. I don't know. But, you know, some gifts like, you know, they'll say some gifts last forever, like diamonds, you know? You know what happened to me one time? One time I went out, a a couple here at our church invited us out because it was the wife's birthday. And several couples from the church, you know, we were there. We went to a nice birthday dinner. And we got finished, her, you know, our meal, and, you know, we all uh, celebrated. We sang happy birthday to the wife, and it was a great thing, you know. And then right before we left, the, the husband broke the man code. You know what he did? Right there in front of all of us and our wives, he breaks out a box and he opens it up. She says, Oh, he went to Jared. Are you kidding me? You never, ever do that, men. If you're going to give your wife a diamond, you do it, and not in the presence of our wives. Because what did we hear all the way home? He went to Jared's. He went to Jared's. He went to Jared's. You know, that is against the man code right there. You do not do that. You give your wife diamonds, you do it in the privacy of your home. Oh, Yeah. Gift at last. I want to tell you what Jesus said about a gift at last. Look what he says in John 14. He said, "Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. trust also in me. There are more rooms in, uh, there is more than enough rooms in my father's home. If this was not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know the, no Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And look what Jesus said, because that's the question that you're asking now. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. You see, you're, you're never really ready to live until you're ready to die. Did you hear that? You're, you cannot live until you're ready to die. till so you know that everything's okay with, between you and God. I want to share this with you. We have one of our deacons. His father is passing. He's a good Christian man. He knows God. I went by, I went by uh, hospice and saw him last week. When I went into that room, I was, I didn't, you know, I've been in that situation many times. But as I looked at this man who was laying there, so peaceful, ready to make a transition. And as I talked to Alan, his name's Alan Green, it's his father. I talked to him this week. He said, yeah. He said, Jeff, dad's making the transition. He said, he's already calling out people's names. It's already there. And you know what I believe God's doing? I believe in, because he knows where he's going. And he's already made those plans. I believe now that he's no longer communicating with us, I believe God has moved the curtain back and he's seeing into heaven and he's starting to see people on the other side because he knows where he's going. The question that you and I have to ask is this Have I received that gift? Have I received the gift of my new identity? Am I walking in my new ability? And you know, do I have power, love, and and self-control. Am I taking advantage of, of my church community. That, that will help me to, to be the best that I can be. And support me. Do I have a new destiny? Do I know? Do I know if that's me? Do I know that. that listen. You can take my. You can shoot me dead right now. But you can't take my life. Because I know where I'm going. I'd like to pray a prayer with you. Before we sing our closing song. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for what you mean to us. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would move in us. God, there's some people here that are struggling with their identity right now. They're struggling. Father, I pray that you will help them to know that in you, Lord, when they connected with you, it doesn't matter what everybody else has said about them. It's what you said about them. And you believe in them, God, and they can make it. God, there's some here that are receiving a new ability tonight. God, they've been trying to do this all on their own. But tonight, they're saying, fill me, Holy Spirit. I need you. They're receiving that gift. There's some tonight, God, that are going to make a decision that they're going to become a part of a church in 2016. Maybe even this one, oh God, and a connect group that they can have the support and be a support to others. God, tonight, there's some people in this room. God, tonight, if it was their last night on earth, they don't know where they would be. So tonight, God, as I'm praying this prayer, right now, God, they're going to, in their own mind, they're going to say this with me, in their mind, you're already speaking to them, and they're saying to you right now, God, just like I'm saying, dear Jesus, come into my life. Save me and forgive me of my sins. And help me to be a, a follower of yours, Lord Jesus, that I may be the best me that I can be on this planet. And I know that I'll see you one day because I'm asking you to save me right now. And if that's you, my friend, just say in your heart, me too, Lord, me too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. If you prayed that prayer today, would you email me? My email address is jeffdaws1 at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S, the number one, at S-C-C-V-I-E-W.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.sccview.net and click the Give link the top of the web browser and there's many ways that you could give there again thank you so much for joining us today it is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel god bless you